0: Previously on the Tony Cornizer Show.
1: I know everybody's eagerly anticipating the
2: Air Force New Mexico Robos game. <laughs> yes, everybody. So who do you want? I want New Mexico minus twelve. And when is this game being played? Tonight. Where? they don't even know that. How can you have a sports show and you don't know when it's in Mexico? I just Mexico don't. Is. I really, I don't follow I don't, Air Force <laughs> basketball. <laughs> The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. From Josh Cohn in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia. Why exactly am I checking the Air Force New Mexico score at 11 o'clock on a Friday night? I too nervous
3: ahead have Eagles game. From Steve
2: Reich in Alexandria, Virginia. Although I've been listening to Tony since the 5.70 evening rebroadcast, this is my first email to the show so What's that I back? can report my own David Aldridge moment. I was listening to Friday's show as on, I was on my way to see my first New Mexico home game. Since I moved to D.C. 35 years ago, imagine my surprise when Carville dropped Air Force versus New Mexico as his blue plate two times pick. I said to myself, I know that game. As the game progressed, I found myself more concerned about whether the Lobos would cover than about the game itself. Yes, the Lobos are now coached by Richard Petino and Jamal Mashburn Jr. is an exciting talent. But damn it, this was a blue plate two times pick. As the clock ticked down and the Falcons kept fouling, my hopes rose. But sadly, the Lobos' 17 8 run in the last five 27 was too little, too late, and they wound up winning by only eight. My only consolation was that I got to be a witness to history, seeing Carville's first blue plate loss of the season. That was, wasn't it? Was. It Was yes, he was 20. At, he had gone 20 and 0, not 20 different bets. Now he's 20 and two, as he lost that game. You know, I, I think got on that game early was Harry Melber. <laughs> yeah. I think, he, was, he, I think yes. he got on that game Oh, by early. the way, I should thank, I never properly thanked, uh, Terry Gans was the little that sent us in that audio clip. Oh, that's so. very nice. Thank you, Terry. From Joseph O'Hara in Oakland, California, but always of Norfolk, Virginia, on the March 3rd, 2021 show, you all started it out by reading my email about how I ran over a stop sign and my sister was the one who's teaching me how to drive. Michael, upon listening to the story, went on to say, coolest sister ever. She definitely was. I'm thankful that you all read this email on air and to hear it again and again as my sister unexpectedly passed away at the beginning of January. And just hearing that story and hearing Michael say those words brings me a little bit of joy. And I got to play it one night for my mom and she got a laugh out of it, if only for as she remembered that day. Isn't that nice? That's That's so sweet. It's just so sweet. Um, As for the current shows, it just so happens that in the days following my sister's passing, one of our cousins brought over a cake for us and one of our dogs ate the cake. <laughs> <laughs> of course it did. A couple of days later, I was watching the dog go to the bathroom it was having a hard time. Lo and behold, it was trying to lose the plastic wrap that had been on the cake. <laughs> had to go and pull it out of the dog. Final thing I'd like to add, it's been nice to hear you, Dr. Tony, talk about your experience on the tall ship, as that was my career for the better part of 11 years. Well, I never got to sail on a vessel as large as the one as you sailed on. I did manage to sail on both coasts of the United States, plus all the Great Lakes in Hawaii. That's very, very nice. It's lovely. Um, I have delayed starting uh, the show about football games because one football game didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, this is what happens in sports. It's not scripted. It's spontaneous. And the 49ers, who were down to their third-string quarterback, lost them on their first series in the game. It's a good thing they got McCaffrey. You know, <laughs> and then they went to Josh Johnson, who was simply awful. He was awful. And they had no chance. The only chance they had was if their defense could win the game. And in the Eagles, their, their first drive was lovely. Went right down the field, the Eagles. In their most important drive, the drive that made the game 14-7, the 49ers defense did everything it could, and they kept getting called for penalties on third downs and, and things like that. And the, the other unsatisfying part of that game is the first touchdown that the Eagles got helped along fourth and three. by a fourth down pass, and it's, it's not it's, good. Yeah, it's incomplete. It's not good. Where are the people on the 49ers looking at the replay? Well, here's the problem. There was no replay. Where's New York? Yeah, where's New York on that? Where's New York? I mean, because they went to commercial break, right? There was time. It wasn't. Well, maybe it wasn't. Maybe no, and you're getting no, hand
3: signals by a receiver who knows that it wasn't oh, a catch. San
2: yeah. Francisco got hosed. Yeah, and they got hosed repeatedly through the game. Should they have won? No, they no. had no chance. They had no chance of winning. And I say this as someone who picked them. They had once once Purdy went out. They had. No, they what are you gonna? You're down to your th- third string quarterback. Now you have a fourth string quarterback. There's 32 teams in a league. A fourth-string quarterback means that there's 100 guys ahead of him. And Josh Johnson was in Washington for an hour and a half. He's it's like a, watching uh, no Waterboy,
3: Bobby Boucher, got to that quarterback. <laughs> He's just
2: no good. Yeah. So that game doesn't matter. The other game was a, was a good game. It's decided on a roughing the passer call. Um, Wilbon will tell you, he'll talk all the time about pretty boy quarterbacks, which is his code for Tom Brady and maybe Aaron Rodgers. Because he doesn't like Tom Brady. He concedes how great Tom Brady is, but he doesn't like Tom Brady. Well, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty boy quarterback at this point in his career. I think that's a roughing call. I think that's a fair call. But I also think that Patrick Mahomes gets the benefit of calls that other people don't get. Josh Allen, for example, big, strong guy, Josh Allen, gets hit pretty hard. Now, this is what happened with Roethlisberger and Cam Newton all the time. They got hit pretty hard. and They didn't get the benefit of calls, even though they were star quarterbacks. Josh Allen, star quarterback, doesn't get the benefit of calls. But Patrick Mahomes does, and deservedly so. You have never heard me say anything on the show in the last five years other than Patrick Mahomes is the best football player on the planet. Doesn't mean he wins every game. Doesn't mean I want him in every game. I don't want him if his ankle's 60%. But he's the best football player on the planet, and he won that game. Um, That's a pretty good game.
3: Yeah, I would say there there are some reffing calls leading up to that that are the the issues. And what's interesting (laughs) is you saw when Cincinnati was going to throw the challenge flag and they didn't have to because... The powers that be stepped NFL, in and uh, did NFL not let this did not let this yeah. happen again. No, it was interesting. You watch, uh, you watch Mahomes and, and Romo kept coming back to this about how when he's forced to stay in the pocket and can't just run around, he actually was able to get some bigger completions out of it. He zipped uh, it, zipped now, it a few every, times. I think every quarterback is going to get that benefit on that call. Yes. where it is, uh, you know, in, in terms of how the game's going to end. But you know, you do wonder if the injury, the high ankle sprain does affect the way that refs want to look at, you know, somebody like Mahomes and his abilities. I think they want to protect him a little bit, and I think he's earned it. See, this is how I feel. I think certain people have earned it. I Gosh, wanna... you, you get in, in both games, you get nervous watching Hertz running the ball at the end of the game when he didn't really need to. Yeah. And Mahomes, uh, after he lost the ball and then, you know, a couple drives later, it looks like he has the entire weight of the world on his body. By the way, about the Eagles, and I don't know what the opening line is, the Eagles have outscored two
2: teams in the playoffs, I think, 69-14. The Eagles are killing it. Like, the Eagles are killing it right now. Yes, just, they are.
3: You know, I mean, just... Yeah, won't there be some pushback saying they haven't been tested yet, so you don't really know what you're dealing with? Maybe. Philadelphia giving two. Philadelphia is the
2: favorite. Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, it surprises me a little bit because Mahomes' ankle will be better by then. Yeah. And the AFC is deeper than the NFC, but we'll see. I wanted to talk about... The tennis, just briefly. I'm not going to tell you who won because it, it's over. The Australian Open. Djokovic won. I don't know. In the in the women's draw, I don't even know who won the women's.
3: Uh, uh, Rina Sabalenko won. And she's first won a mate. That's no, her first? For, she'd never been to a finals before. she has okay. been to the
2: semifinals the number of times, but this is her okay. first trip. But we don't win. We yeah. don't know. Okay. I'm just going to say this about Djokovic. Is this his 10th Australian Open? I believe so, yes. So when you stand around and you say that Djokovic is the best player ever because he's now tied Rafael Nadal... For 22 majors won. When you make this argument, as many people will do for Djokovic, I want you to just consider this. He's got 10 Australian Opens. That means he's got 12 other majors. 12. Nadal's got how many French Opens? 14? Yeah, I'll have to check that. Nadal's got, let's say, I think it's 14 French Opens loading up on the French because the best Clay Court player of all time. That means he's got eight others. How many does Federer have? Federer's got 20? Yes, 20. Yeah, What's his 20. best one? His best one was Wimbledon. How many? I want to say eight or nine. That many? Yes. I mean, I it. think you should take away the person's number one wins and see how many other majors. Because I think if you do that in the women's draw, I think you'll see that Serena and Graf have the most balance? Yes, yes, they did. They uh, the so balanced. eight Wimbledon's for Federer, and how many all together? Uh, Twenty. So that gives him twelve, the same as Djokovic. Yes,
3: right. I, I like the shapey argument about trying to define greatness as to how you might play on something that's not your best surface. Yeah, but it just shows you that these three players are always going to be, you know, they're great. tied together as stars. They're great. And you look at the timeline if someone comes just a few years before you, and you're able to feed on that one major, that it does affect your ability to, you know, it's sort of the tiger effect where you have to try and take that out and see what you're able to do in spite of that one single obstacle.
2: The reason I bring this up is because when you debate who's the greatest female player of all time, everybody says up Margaret Court, well, she's got 15 Aussies, you know, I mean, what's that? Back when no one really went and played that. Right. So, I mean, it got me to thinking, as I'll do anything to keep Djokovic from the top line. <laughs> right. That's the, that's the I, crux I, of this argument. I concede that. I concede that. So I came up with this exotic formula to see if I could knock him down yeah. a peg. <laughs> so he would be even with Federer. Yeah. And
3: 14 French Open titles for- um, 14. That's for, yeah, what I thought. No, yes, so I, yeah, you're 14
2: right. out of 22.
3: Yeah. And he did, <laughs> I will say this about Nadal, he did win everyone at least twice. So he just dominated at the French Open. Well, the three of them have. Yeah. They've won. Well, least. no, no. Federer only won the French Open, just the one. Oh, is that okay? Okay. Yeah. At Extendless, we should do the Nicholas thing to see how many seconds they have, or who they're Nicholas losing to. Nicholas had eighteen, 18 in the wins in nineteen seconds. So, yeah,
2: <laughs> thirty
3: seven top twos. <laughs>
2: That's. But he's, I don't think any. Only a fool would argue against right. Nicholas at that point. Tiger had the greatest ten year run of, of anybody in anybody. history, but Nicholas. But has. Nicholas is
0: the best, right? Yeah, I mean, Eighty
2: six. Come on, come on. So uh, on a personal note, I drove to Delaware on Saturday morning, and I drove back yesterday, <clears throat> very worried about my leg. Uh, stopped extra times on each trip to walk the dog around the parking lots of a Royal Farms, you know, which is one of the things Royal Farms are good. They're large. Yes. And you can walk a dog around a parking lot just so that you can get enough steps in that you feel... Now, that, do, you,
3: do you go to different Royal Farms every trip, or, do, or have you marked your territory that you want to visit the same one? Same this two. One, one spot on the highway.
2: Same two. The, the one... As you're going out to the beach, the first one on 404 on the right-hand side, so five miles side, in, yeah. and then the <laughs> the one at the end that. of the first little town, the first little town, which is Greenwood. Okay, before Ellendale. And, yeah, right on the right-hand side as well. And I I do that. Yeah, and then I cross over coming back, and I, you know, which well, you is, don't
3: want to go across traffic.
2: Well, you, what happens is it it wastes a lot of time because you've got to wait for a long light to get onto the other side. But I'm happy to do it. Um, I was, you know, I walked and I was very worried yesterday, but the second half of the trip was totally stable. So I was fine. You know what was interesting? And this is a function of age. I'm an old man. Um, There is, not only is there a physical component to my driving now because of my leg and my back, but there is a mental component to this. There is stress. When you're driving and there are other people in the car and an animal is in the car and people are going, even on one lane roads, 75 and 80 miles an hour and pulling out and passing you, you have to maintain uh, a real sense of focus. It's not the longest drive in the world, but what happened to me at my age, I was so whipped when I got back physically and, you know, I would say mentally. Mentally because trained, of, yeah. That I took a nap for two hours. You know, I, I just couldn't have gotten out
3: and gone to the golf course.
1: Now, I you are out of practice. It's it. not like you've That's been doing right. this
3: every... It's not like the summer season you're doing this every other week. No. And you haven't really done any big drives recently. No. I've been this, afraid. been seeing uh, too much this pain. This you. I'm a little worried about this. What? No, like, I, 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 know the feeling, I know the feeling you're I'm describing. I'm 74! <laughs> throw, <laughs> throw a couple car seats in the back and see how it feels to drive across the Bay Bridge and must around be the t- bend that, on the... Yeah, on the that must way. be tough. But at your age... You can do it. Now you just tune him out. I kept,
2: I, all I did was try to call Charlie Steiner all weekend and find out when is the time to go. <laughs> you didn't call up the
3: local ESPN <laughs> affiliate to complain about programming? I did not. I
2: did not. Um, Charlie, though. Charlie's younger than I by a year. Charlie loves what he does. I love what I do, too. But, you know, you worry. What else did I have? I don't think I had it. Oh, my tooth fell out last night. But that's a story for another day. I was eating and my tooth fell out. Did you put it under the pillow?
3: No, I put it in a plastic bag oh, to bring get to the a dentist dollar.
2: to show the <laughs> dentist what happened? I can't locate where it is. It's not in the front. Hmm. I don't know where it is. So I
3: make an enchilada soup last night. I drive over to Tony's house to drop him off a deli container of soup. Lovely. Lights yes. are Lovely. off everywhere. I see Tony and Carol sitting down to what looked like a beautiful dinner Counting for me lamb chops. Grilled lamb chops. And I felt good, and so spinach. uncomfortable that I interrupted your dinner that no, I wanted to get out. No, lamb chops and spinach, but and my, my you tooth had ordered... get up and say, I bit into a lamb chop and I lost my tooth. Yeah.
2: That's what happens when you're old. My <laughs> so teeth are old. This is
3: where you have osteoporosis.
2: I mean... <laughs> Why? My bones are... Because my bones? Because your teeth. That's... There's no strength. Oh, God. I thought osteoporosis was just the main bones. It's the teeth as well. Yeah, I didn't know that. your tooth bones connected to the... (laughs) So, but I think Carol Carol looked at it and thinks it's part of a crown, so that wouldn't be be, my actual teeth. That would be false teeth. So you get a call... I'm going to find out tomorrow. I'm going to go see Dino. Yeah. Tomorrow. Well, I got Dino news too, but that saves for another day. We'll get out of here now, and we will bring Noah Petro is going to join us. And you say, who's Noah Petro? Noah Petro's in charge of planets for NASA. We're going to talk about this comet that's going to come and kill us within the next two days. (laughs) I'm Tony Kornheiser.
3: Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me,
1: John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our
3: new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple
1: Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
2: This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is from Jeremy Rilko. Jeremy has sent us music before. It's bluegrass music from his home in Asheville, North Carolina where Arch goes all the time. He's got a house there. These are a couple of unreleased tunes from a new album that Jeremy has coming out at the end of February. And, you know, there's a Kickstarter available for people who'd like to contribute to pre-order the album. You can do that on his Facebook or Instagram page of Jeremy Rilko, R-I-L-K-O. This is called Back to the Country, and it plays in Noah Petro. And you're going to say, who's Noah Petro? Well, Noah Petro is our NASA expert. He is the planetary specialist which I guess means that at some point they're going to try and send them to another planet. (laughs) The planetary specialist for NASA. And so let's get to... I learned about a comet uh, being able to be seen. I learned about this about a week ago. There was a story in the post. Noah, can you explain what is this comet and why is it so important?
1: Sure. Um, This comet goes by the rather esoteric name of C-2022E3ZTF. And oh, what sure, that?
2: everybody knows that <laughs> one. Sure. Old,
1: what we, like, we, we like to call it Old ZTF for short. Okay. But what that means is that comet, the 2022 number, it was discovered last year. So this is a relative new comet that we only learned about last year. What makes this so special, at least to me, what I think is so special about it is that based on its orbit, what we know, what we've been able to observe over the last year is that it last flew by the Earth 50,000 years ago and will probably never come back into the inner solar system again. So this is our one chance with this flyby that's happening effectively now to observe it, learn about it, and then it's gone.
2: So and you they, expect us to believe this? <laughs> you expect um, us to believe that you found it last year and traced it back 50,000 years? Uh, yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> well, and how do we, how do we, we figure out where it yeah. came from? How do you understand? Yeah. By watching it over uh, almost a year now, you can see how it comes into the sun, how, it's, how fast it's going. It is going right now. 90 times a speeding bullet 90 kilometers per second it is going incredibly fast and so based on that fact it's going very fast it's coming into the sun we can trace it back okay where did it come from it's come from what we like to call the Oort cloud out beyond pluto this area of our solar system that is home to weird objects like this okay and so it is flying in incredibly fast will fly by the sun and zip on out and basically achieve a speed that will potentially send it out of the solar system forever.
2: Could you just, for those of us who are stupid like me, could you just (laughs) tell us what a comet is? For example, how is a comet different from a shooting star or from a planet? Or what is a comet?
1: Okay, so a comet, you've talked about in the past how in parking lots come late March, April, May, there are these piles of dirt and snow in parking lots. Right. That's a comet. A comet is an aggregation of ice, of volatiles, and of dirt, effectively. Now, that dirt comes from all corners of the solar system, so it's very important dirt. But effectively, comets are either icy snowballs, dirty snowballs, or snowy dirtballs, which is another name for Eagles fans. So when you, <laughs> when you, when, when you look at comets, you're looking at stuff left over from the earliest history of the solar system.
2: Okay, well, there's the obvious question then for me is, Mm -hmm. if it's going that fast, and Mm -hmm. it's just sort of dirt and ice, why doesn't it break apart? Why doesn't Ah. it burn itself up? How can it last 50,000 years? Because comets are
1: flying through space. Space is like the two weeks between the Super Bowl. It's a vacuum. Nothing happens. And so there's nothing to torque the comet. Now, what's interesting about comets is it gets closer to the sun, they heat up, and so that heating can kind of loosen up material, and so potentially what might happen over the next few days as it gets close to the sun is it burps, it heats up, it starts boiling off some of that ice, some of that water, right? and so they can become more active, and that's why we start seeing those tails come off of comets, and so the time when they get closest to the sun is the most exciting time in a comet's life, because hey, they start heating up. They start getting energetic. And so we might, over the next few days, see some more activity from this planetary interloper.
2: Now, can we see this? If we have a clear night, can we see this? And where would we see it? So
1: this is the official Tony Kornheiser show, Comet C 2022 E3 ZTF winter weather forecast for the 2015. Okay. It's very hard to see with streetlights. any light pollution so i know you're very active in getting your street lights turned back on but unfortunately those are the things that are going to make seeing this comet incredibly hard if you have binoculars you want to look to the north star which is at the end of the the big dipper and just below that you might with binoculars on a clear night i know we haven't had that many clear nights in the dc area recently you might be able to see it it can be Faintly visible to the naked eye if you're in a place that's very, very dark. So right. I don't know if Rehoboth is better. Now, uh, but for the next week is going to be the time to try to see it. In the next few days, it will be getting as close to the sun and earth um, uh, that, um, that, that it will be for the rest of its life. So this is the time right now uh, to, to try to go out and see it.
2: Uh, why are you certain it won't kill us and take a left hand turn and just bang into us? Why are you certain of that?
1: Well, it, it did have the Eagles winning because it's a Green Comet, so I think it's it's not going to do anything until after the Super Bowl. No, you know, again, its orbit is very well known right now. It will not get any closer to the Earth than about 32 million kilometers, so many, many millions of miles from the Earth. So it has no danger, no risk of, of passing the Earth. In fact, its orbit doesn't even take it within the Earth's orbit of the Sun, and so there's no chance of this comet um, crossing the Earth, and certainly not until the uh, the Super Bowl. It's got some money on the Eagles already.
2: Now, Noah, you, you think that this is, it's never coming back. This is the well, one shot. You think it was here once before, and now the second time, and it's never coming back?
1: Well, so never is a strong word. Right. It's orbit... If it if it does come back, it will be in millions of years from now. So its wow. orbit is so irregular. Yeah. Do you remember a couple of years ago NASA announced the discovery of this object that we thought came from a different solar system? Its orbit was so bizarre that it sort of passed through our solar system on the way
2: to another. To another.
1: Yeah, and so this comet could become a similarly just get kicked out into the rest of the solar system, uh, into the rest of the universe. And out of ours, its orbit is so bizarre, particularly relative to other comets. We're used to thinking of Halley's Comet, which yeah. passes every 75. That is, Halley's Comet is the only one that does that, that comes on that scale of regularity where a human could see it once or twice in his or her lifetime. This comet behaves so wildly differently orbit, in terms of its orbit than Halley's Comet or Hale-Bopp or other ones that we've potentially seen uh, in the last 30, 40 years. Which is part of why it makes it so exciting and interesting, because it represents a part of our solar system that we rarely get to see.
2: Yeah, I just, the, the thing I've always wondered about is, because you always grow up with Halley's Comet. I mean, it's been mm-hmm. in my lifetime, and it's been in everybody's lifetime who's was listening, um, but I wondered if Halley's Comet gets too much credit, because we tend to think of comets as a result of that as yep. having regularity, and what you're saying is they don't really have regularity.
1: <laughs> they do have regularity, but it may not be on human lifetimes.
2: Right, you know, okay.
1: And so um, the comets are these amazing objects because, you know, if you remember Hale-Bopp from the mid-'90s, I mean, oh, my goodness, it was this amazing show in the sky Haley's Comet has had over history, going back to, you know, prehistory, these visits that have, you know, captivated humans and prehumans, But we get these interlopers, this particular kind of comet that is the one shot. It is the one chance for us to study it before it zips off and goes to its next appointment. And so when we have these opportunities to see comets again, every comet is slightly unique and every time we see one, we learn a little bit more. Oh, okay, this one surprises us because it behaves this way. Studying comets, studying the planets, the rest of the solar system is I like to think of it as like watching a sport where you don't know the rules. And so every time you watch one, you see one, you okay, you appreciate a rule differently. And yesterday we got a master class in roughing. Uh, <laughs> and don't push the quarterback down when he's out of bounds. These comics tell us how they behave, and that gives us a rule book of how objects in the solar system and, indeed, in the rest of the universe behave. And so that's why this one is so particularly exciting.
2: And this is visible. You're talking about the visibility in D.C., but it's going to be visible all over the country at some point, or is it not?
1: All over the world. And so, okay. Yeah, and so, but the, the, again, the best... Places are the ones that are darkest, right? So away from streetlights, away from urban you know, light pollution, um, and you look towards the North Star, the Big Dipper, and if you've got binoculars, that helps, especially if you have an area that might have a little bit of light pollution. And of course, it just has to be clear, which, again, in our area hasn't been well, for we'll the see. last two nights. No, thank
2: you so much. I mean, uh, most of the people listening are just going, whoa, I didn't even know this was going on. So now (laughs) they do. And then it's a a respite from the football. Thank you, Noah.
1: (laughs) My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks.
2: Noah Petro, boys and girls. We'll take a break. We'll go back to real sports. We'll have Barry's Verlugo when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, banjos are so cool. Once again, this is Jeremy Rilko from Asheville, North Carolina, playing us. His music, this is called Sweet Forgotten Love. Michael, if people like Jeremy Rilko want to send us their music, how do they do
3: it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyKornheiserShow.com. And after uh, our most recent segment, do you remember the book Comet in, uh, in Land? No, no, I don't. That's a book from my child, or many years ago, but I haven't thought about it in a long, long time. <laughs> Check that out. That's fantastic. Mm. Um, Barry Svrluga joins us now.
2: and I, let's, let's just talk about the job of, of being a sports columnist. And let's say that you were at both games yesterday, because you're familiar with both games. I always sort of think that losers are more interesting than winners. But I don't know that I would have done that in both games. What was the column in your mind on the first game?
1: I think it may have been... So I agree with your assessment of losers are better than winners in a lot of instances because, if for nothing else... That's the last swing you're going to have at that team, and you've got two weeks now that's for right. whoever for whoever won. So, like, take the Bengals Bills game. I was at last week. I thought it was easy choice to to do the Bills because that's an Obit that you don't have another whack at. But uh-huh. so in the first game, I think I might have taken um, a swing at the Niners um, because you know they didn't play. They didn't get to play the game they expected. To, to play, and I'm not saying that if Brock Purdy hadn't gotten hurt, that he's some you know Brady or Rogers or Manning or whatever that that um, was would, would have made the difference in a 31 to seven game. But but that game didn't play out in any way um, like Kyle Shanahan could have drawn it up. Um, and I think there's very very interesting questions, and this is why I might have taken a swing at the Niners. About what the heck they do at the most important position on the field in the future, because they clearly have a roster that is capable of going to and winning a Super Bowl, and now they've got a situation where um, they have no idea what they traded up for in the draft a couple of years ago. Trey, Lance. Trey Lance. that's right, and and they do have some idea that. Brock Purdy can take care of the ball, despite the the turnover that um, on the play he got hurt yesterday. That was it didn't seem like a, a dumb play. That was a football play. Um, they know he can operate that offense. He can move the football. Um, he has those weapons. Um, I don't. You know, I think it's a, just a very very interesting question. Probably one of the top five most interesting questions going into next season is is what does San Francisco do. At quarterback, So, so that might have been, even though, you know, that puts aside an extremely impressive performance from, from Philadelphia, um, that might have been my swing from the first day. Yeah,
2: I would have gone, if I knew Kyle Shanahan well and I could get him alone, I'd have gone to Kyle Shanahan. And if not, I'd have gone to Purdy and Josh Johnson and the quarterback's coach, Brian Greasy. I would have gone to them because the, day, the game was over. The game was over. I mean, they're down to their third-string guy to begin with, who's been a miracle. He's been seven and zero, and they got a guy behind him who's eighty years old who can't play, and they know he can't play. And you could see that they knew he couldn't play by the plays they called. And then when they put Purdy back in, they knew he couldn't throw, and they they just they had run out of everything And their defense. It was the only way they could win the game, and they kept getting calls on penalties. They would I thought some of them were bad calls that kept. Uh, keeping the Eagles' drives alive. And and it's like the string on the column for me would have been, you know, the air went out of the balloon. You you did everything you could do. You were juggling nine things in the air. It was magic for seven weeks, and then you ran out of magic. You know what I mean? That's, I think, where I would have gone.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And I also think, you know, and this might be nitpicking, but when you are down to... Brock Purdy the last player taken in in the draft as your quarterback um, how do you allow yourself to have Josh Johnson yeah. be one play away yeah when you could have been in the running for and I'm not saying Baker mayfield is is some sort of like savior but it's a better option if Brock Purdy gets um gets hurt then than Josh Johnson I mean I looked at the numbers. Josh Johnson, the last time he started more than one game in a season was 2018 in just a disastrous year in Washington when they went through, you know, he was like the eighth quarterback yeah. in, in DC that year. He, he can't, he, he's proven over and over. He can't play. And and then you're right. When, when Purdy went back in uh, the game, you, you could see the 49ers saying, well, we are behind whatever it was, you know, 21 to seven or 28 to seven. We have no hope of coming back because it's, it's second and eight and we're running. And it's we're running on and
2: third and, and 15 because he yeah. can't throw. Right. You know, he, right. he, he can't throw. And, and yeah, so that would have been... My, what's your column on the second game?
1: Uh, my column on the second game, I think, has to be Mahomes. 100%. I mean, it's just, he's, you know... There 100%. Are times, sometimes I, I say, you know, it's time to think inside the box. Like, don't overthink it (laughs) patrick mahomes is the best player in the league yes he was playing on one leg he threw for 326 yards he scrambled for a huge first down at the end even when joe burrow who had won at arrowhead and come back last year um to win the afc championship game did it again and threw that amazing ball to t higgins it was limping patrick mahomes who uh Move the Chiefs down and set them up um, to to win the game. By so the I, way, I,
2: if that field goal misses and they go to overtime, I'm betting on Cincinnati.
1: I mean, that's I just disagree, it's me. I don't. Yeah, I don't disagree with that at all. And and that you talk about the penalties from the first game. Yeah. I mean, if you're a columnist in Cincinnati this oh, morning, yeah, um, you're dying about the, the penalties and and that last penalty um, that made it a 45 yard field goal. Rather than a
2: did you uh, not a, did you not think that I thought that was legitimate I Look, I think Patrick Mahomes is in the class of protected quarterbacks that he has earned, but I also percent. thought that was legit,
1: a thousand percent. You can't do it. He was out that's of bounds. Right? He was he was it's out right. of bounds, and that's right. that's a that's a difference making a championship making play. But Mahomes, you know, don't take your eye off the ball. There, he's the star. He's the stud. He's the story. Like that's that's what you go with.
2: Yeah. So if you're if you do the losers, what. The 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 wrong... Here's the mistake. If you end up doing a Cincinnati column and you basically say, well, we had this really good chance and it was sort of not to be and we've done it before and maybe we shouldn't have talked about Burrowhead Stadium. And it just sounds whiny. It just sounds whiny because they're really good and they're going to come back. And the other guy, all week the drama is what percent of Mahomes is going to be out there and can he get them... To the Super Bowl right it that he's the only column he's the only column unless you're unless you're working for the Cincinnati enquirer,
1: yeah, and well, and I think that um the interesting thing about it, and I did think all week, like how can you handicap this game when you don't know how handicapped Mahomes will be, yeah and I think the answer ended up, and one reason that that this would be the column was he was significantly hampered, you could tell yes. that he was limited, he didn't have. The burst he could not push off there were some throws that were affected but when you look at his stat line at the end of at the end of the night you know he is um 29 of 43 with no interceptions and 326 yards like like he put up patrick mahomes like numbers without a patrick mahomes like body um and that is just you know when when stars will themselves into star-like performances when they're when they're not at 100%. I mean, that's a walking, living, breathing column that falls into your lap.
2: Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I think I think that that's what you have to write. Um, the first game, you just, there's nothing there. I mean, there was just nothing there. The game was taken away from you by what happened to Purdy. You don't have a chance. The second game is a little bit better. I was curious... Um, it, it, it apparently Philadelphia. and It's two weeks away, but Philadelphia opens up as a two-point favorite. Um, uh, Philadelphia looks very good, and they had a wonderful year. And when Jalen Hurts was their quarterback, I think they're like at this point fifteen and one or something like that with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. But the other guy is the best player on the planet. <laughs> like, Amazing. Yeah, he's the best player on the planet. You know, and you can you know, what do you do in the lead up? I mean, you write about Andy Reid because he's coaching against his old team. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of things you can talk about. You talk about Nick Sirianni. You talk about the owner at Philadelphia firing a really good coach because he wanted Jalen Hurts to start. There's a lot of internal drama. But ultimately, Barry, it's about Mahomes again to me,
1: right? Yeah, and third Super Bowl, trying to win um, a second one at, Such a young age. I mean, twenty-seven. Like this, you know. I mean, it's been established. He just played in his fifth straight AFC Championship game. Yes. Um, But we're we're. I think what you're what you're wondering about as you move to the Super Bowl and won't be decided by whether he wins or whether he loses um, is, you know, how transcendent is is he going to be? Like he's he's fully developed, a fully formed character, um, a master of, uh, you know, of the offense that Andy Reid has put him in and Andy Reid has designed for him. Um, He has power in that they sign him to essentially a lifetime contract. Um, He has input on personnel. He is is both fully formed, you know, in maturity and from a physical sense, but also has – you know pick a number of years going forward another decade to do this and and this is not the same team around him but it's not like he's just cranking with the same core to this third super bowl in in 5 years different pieces have been moved around now he's you know i mean he does have kelsey and it's not like everything has changed over but but he's this he's the focal point the from not just for the Chiefs, but in some ways for the whole league, because he in that debate that you could have had, um, and I think we talked about a few weeks ago, like how do you rank the quarterbacks in in the AFC? Um, we now have a much clear. If it wasn't clear that Mahomes is one above everybody else,
2: he is. He's above um, everybody.
1: He he is now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and Burrow will be there nipping at his heels, and and who knows what Lawrence develops into? But but. Patrick, Patrick Mahomes is the star of the NFL, um, and that means in in the United States um, he's the biggest star in sports because this this sport rules them all.
2: Agree. Um, by the way, I just wanted to also mention you wrote the right column on Patrick Ewing. It was a brave column. It was totally the right column. Totally the right column because they've you know this is where they are now, and it, it cannot change. Right?
1: It, yes. I mean, so I went to the DePaul game, which you know could have been their. I mean, it's hard to even form this phrase, could have been their 30th straight Big East loss. They, Georgetown, and Syracuse, and to a lesser extent, Villanova, um, and Providence, Boston College, and whatever, they they formed what was a defining college basketball conference um, 40 years ago, the Big East. It was badass, and those games were events and they are so far from that now, um, it's irreparable. And, and so a, a win over DePaul at home uh, in front of 3,700 people um, to go to one and in nine in, in the Big East, that, that doesn't change anything. You would want for Patrick Ewing, who, you know, as an unpaid laborer helped build that university into a national brand, um, you would want for his tenure at his alma mater to be more successful. You would just want him to help lift the program up. And and under him, the program has fallen to yeah. really unimaginable depths. No, um, it, so there has to be a change.
2: It makes it a braver column when you write it after they win. I mean, it's the it's the right column. It's the right column. Thanks, Barry. Talk soon.
1: Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it.
2: Barrys for Luger boys and girls. We'll come back with email and jingle. I'm Tony Kornheiser.
0: You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show.
2: This is sent to us by Joe Ferrand in Orlando, Florida, who writes, I'm an elementary school music teacher at Spring Lake Elementary in Orlando. In the Orlando area, after years of listening to various renditions of your mailbag jingle, I finally decided to record my own with my students. This is our special performing group at Spring Lake called Sonidos. These 23 4th and 5th graders learned your jingle and accompanying instrument parts in 30 minutes. We hope you enjoy it, and we would love to be the official elementary school music ensemble of the Tony Kornheiser you need to turn up the xylophone. Done, yeah. <laughs> you don't get a xylophone all that often, <laughs> do you? Yeah, it's fantastic. You don't get it. The yeah. XY. <laughs> Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad?
1: Yes, uh, Monday means bagel
3: sandwiches. We got them uh, from Bethesda bagels. You'll love them as well. Uh, Just go to BethesdaBagels.com
2: for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in, and you'll be thrilled. And before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, I used to hurry a lot. I used to worry a lot. I used to stay out till the break of day. All that didn't get it. It was high time I quit it. I just couldn't carry on that way. I did some damage. I know it's true. Didn't know I was so lonely till I found you. You can go the distance. We'll find out in the long run. Those are the Eagles, kids. Thanks to our guest today, Noah Petro from NASA. Actually from NASA. It's not made up. He's a real guy. (laughs) And Barry's Verluga. Thanks to our sponsors, HelloFresh and Books. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. From Dan in New York. Not Dan Byrne, Dan, but it's about Dan Byrne. This is from Dan Oshinsky. During your interview with the great Dan Byrne, he never actually answered your question about which movies he's written for. So let me allow, so allow me to mention among Dan's fine songwriting credits his work on the 2007 biopic parody "Walk Hard," featuring John C. Riley. Burn's Dylan ripoff "Royal Jelly," featuring the opening line "Mailboxes drip like lampposts in the twisted birth canal of the Coliseum is particularly brilliant. <laughs> his co-writer on many of those "Walk Hard" tracks, Adam Viola who you'd better know as the co-writer and real-life lead singer of Erie PA's own, the Oneeders, on That Thing You Do. And here's one more just to prove that the Dan Byrne Sonic universe is somehow deeply connected to your show. Viola's co-writer on That Thing You Do was the late Adam Schlesinger, the bassist for The Fountains of Wayne. Among Schlesinger's most underrated work for that band, the song 92 Subaru, about a delusional man whose (laughs) friends try to talk him out of buying a used Subaru. John Holt in Chester, Virginia, I wrote a really clever, smart, and timely email, but then my dog ate it. (laughs) Chip Robinson in Mount Pleasant, South Carolina, I've waited patiently, but I believe I have the winner in the What My Dog Ate game. Um, Our former rescue lab, Simon, was as gentle and quiet a dog as you've ever met until left alone. Simon had the worst separation anxiety I've ever encountered. For his safety, we kenneled him while gone. He would bite and bend the metal bars until he could smash the locked door open and get out. After trying two to three different models of kennels, we decided to just put him in the fenced backyard while gone. As it turned out, the fence, four to six feet high, depending on where you were in the yard, wasn't able to contain our sweet Simon. So we added one of those invisible fences inside the wooden fence in the hope that its mild shock would deter Simon from scrambling over the fence while we were away, and indeed it did. Thus confined to the backyard, Simon took out his anxiety on the house itself. The dog ate four rows, about three to four feet long each, of siding off the house. And ate the Tyvek wrap under the siding so that when we came home, the bare plywood of our home's exterior wall was exposed. I've enjoyed all the other dog stories, but Simon says, beat that. From Leslie Thomas from Hillsboro, North Carolina. My neighbor's dog comes over to our house for play dates with our dogs. When I'm watching baseball, Blue, for Blue Devil, will bark when the pitcher pitches. I think she's calling balls and strikes. (laughs) From Rupesh Sharma, our old friend from Lebanon, Ohio. I love Rupesh. Haven't sent you a message in a long time. Wanted to let you know that I'm on episode number 48 (laughs) of Chuck and Roxy. And, and to which the response is, "Who the effort, Chuck?" <laughs> From Andrew Vogelin, Spokane, Washington. While I always get a little giddy every time an email of mine gets read on the show, I wanted to issue a small correction on my email regarding betting with Carville. The number I said you would have made was 524 million, not thousand. An easy yet substantial mistake to make. Oh. This is based on a starting bet of five hundred, as well as the assumption that you get even money on all your bets, and you find a sports book that is willing to let you lay down as much as two hundred sixty million dollars on a single bet. Perhaps knowing you've already won your previous nineteen bets, a tall order to be sure. And five hundred to start gambling is not an insignificant amount of money to many. So, if you're interested in only making five hundred twenty-four thousand by doubling your bet with Carville every time, you need to begin with only fifty cents. An achievable starting position for any of the degenerates who listen to this fine show. Most unfortunately, I've not been betting with Carbo and have thus not achieved generational wealth this year. Maybe next year. But would you have put it all down on the Lobos? Would you yeah, have if had you to let, let it, it ride? Uh, if you let it ride, yeah. On a double it. blue plate special. <laughs> From Jim in Lutherville, four words for you, Tony. Talenti, double, chalk, double dark chocolate. Three more words. You are welcome. That's ice cream. We yeah, you're going out there today, aren't you? Talenti. Talenti. Yeah, it. is it ice cream or gelato? It's ice cream. I think they might have some gelato. gelato. Is we'll it gelato? See. Gelato is is too icy for me. Okay. You know, I'm not a gelato guy. Too icy. Let's unpack this. I a mean, little it bit. doesn't have a, <laughs> mi- a milk component. <laughs> okay. That's what I mean. It's like all ice to me. Uh, from Damon in Seattle, Washington, on a recent episode, you mentioned you Jackman amongst your favorite Broadway performances. I said it was my favorite completely in The Boy from Oz, Hugh That's Jackman. Fine. That's 15, 20 years ago. I was in New York City for the US Open in August. I was fortunate to see you in The Music Man. He's a terrific film actor, but his theater performance was even better. I assume he'll do another Broadway show at some point. He's a must-see on stage. So you have to realize this. He plays in musicals. Yeah. Like, he's not Wolverine. No, he's a fu- I mean, that's yeah, not what Yeah, he's a 5 a player. Yeah. Yes. He's Willie Mays. <laughs> he really he, he can do everything. But I think that yeah. ability to
3: capture that character is why he can be so big on the stage. Yeah.
2: Oh, the Wolverine yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. He knows how to do that. From Josh Barber. Since you mentioned you've been inundated with emails about dogs eating foreign objects, I wanted to share my experience when I was working at a fish store. A fish store in West Hartford, Connecticut is a 17-year-old. Hmm. A mother and son came running in, hastily speaking panicked Spanish and presenting a Tupperware container with concern written on their faces. I opened it to find a chubby goldfish with a rag- rather large pebble stuck deep in its mouth. Goldfish are known to graze the bottom of their tanks looking for food, and this one must have mistakenly gobbled up an entire pebble. It was not coming out on its own. I thought for a moment, grabbed a nearby paper clip, fastened it into a hook, scooped the fish into my palm, and was able to pry the pebble out of the goldfish's mouth. They were overjoyed, tried to pay me. I refused. While this might not be at the level of gallantry that is bestowed upon the athletes of the Patriot League, I'd like to think it counted for something. Yes, it does. If you're out on your bike, kind everyone, as always, do wear white.
1: Expired. 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 Thanks, Aunt Bonnie. <laughs>
0: I'm going back to the country Where the world turns a little slow Giving up on the city life And always trying to earn more Left my love down on Broadway Closing down all the bars Now I spend my time staring Out at all the stars But tonight has got me wondering If her love was really true Tonight I'll dream of the city And you I sure hope you have a good life Now the flowing water of the river Is what I'm used to sometimes I'll still dream of the city And you And sometimes I'll still dream of the city And you. Set slowly in the sky. Whatever happened to our love that was as true as sky above? Now it's falling apart right before my eyes. But I can see the stars twinkling in the moonlight. But that doesn't help erase your memory. Now as the moon rises in the east, I wonder if you at least are thinking and weaving over thoughts of me. mind can't stand the thought of being without you and the clouds won't burn away from the valley that you made that once was filled up with our love but i can see the stars twinkling in the moonlight but that doesn't help erase your memory now as the moon rises in the east i wonder if you at least are thinking and are weeping over thoughts of me Thinking and weaving over thoughts of me.